Called it loon shit. It's just that freaking greasy top layer on those northern roads. But I froze my bag off. Like I had every piece of clothes on inside my Hey everyone, welcome back to Come Out Heavy Podcast. Uh, Devin's sitting here again and across from me. Staring at his ugly mug. I got Kurt over here. How are you doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the show. The shit show. <laughs> uh, you know, if you've been following along with the BC issues and, I don't know, following us on Instagram, listening to the last couple episodes, it's kind of like another Act Now campaign. Kurt and I have been, you know, just talking about it. We got lots of listeners reaching out. We got guys following us. It's great. I mean, everyone, you know, wants to get together and and support what's going on and really let the government know you know that their voice needs to be heard and they they don't they don't agree with some of the shit that the government's up to in the north and we thought we'd touch on that a little bit i mean it's coming more and more to light i think most people that listen to us or follow us are in the know but there's a lot out there that probably have no idea or maybe don't really care or just I don't know. It's always it's the same thing as last year. We had the same kind of problem and reaction. And, and Kurt and I are we're very supportive of of holding our government fucking accountable when they're just you know playing cards and dealing this kind of shit away. And you know bargaining chip was a, a one word that keeps getting thrown around. They're using our wildlife and our resources and and they're just bargaining with it as like a power chip just for their own betterment or to you know protect themselves from certain situations they got themselves in and that's that's the big thing and Kurt and I will always support that side of it and there there's a lot to this issue and there's a few things we can do to at least you know let our voices be heard and and one has been you know head over to the government website sign in with your BC ID and all that and you got to it's a little bit convoluted but if you get to some Instagram pages I think Wilderness Locals really broke it down nicely they give you even me and Kurt could figure it out they give you a nice like red circle and a green circle and you fucking oppose this and you find that and honestly I had to fucking use it what about you I I've been busy man I haven't even done any of that yet I've been talking about it but I haven't got around to it probably like most people yeah. but yeah, and it, it's a bit tricky. You get in there, and it's like you oppose, and then you comment, and I, we don't really know what that does, but it at least says something to whoever, whatever pencil pusher or button pusher, I guess, nowadays fucking records all this shit. But uh, apparently we only have to the 23rd of March before these new regulations will go through. So, you know, get on that website, oppose that. There's organizations down south now. One's called howl.org. It, it's kind of a, a big group that has been uh, advocating for hunters' rights and and different things across, I think, mostly the United States. And, and they've actually, through Frontiersmen, and it looks like the Wild Sheep Society of BC, 
they connected with them and got a BC specific peace region page. So howl.org. I mean, you got to check that one out. That one's really neat. I thought they, they're going to send, once they hit their numbers, which would be like how many guys e-sign it, they're going to send all of those to all 86 MLAs. So they're going to flood the MLAs emails with that. So, you know, get on that one. That one's easier. That one, if you're like, kind of like us where you're like fuck i couldn't figure out the vc eid one and it was too much of a pain in my dick and whatever you go on the howl.org and the easiest way for me to find it was through frontiersman's instagram page because he put a nice link on his bio it takes you right to the page you just all you got to do is put your name your email address and you hit the button that says howl and she's fucking there it's kind of you know it's kind of like fighting the uh rain coast ones where they have all those fucking click petitions so it's kind of nice to see one for us from such a big organization like that yeah no it's good it's good that people you know i think after the shit last year and with how we came up well they came up with the act now and i think guys are getting prepared for this i think we're gonna be dealing with shit like this every fucking year and the way you know the isn't really not a good type of government in there but with the ndp run the province right now man it's it's going downhill fast in in everything not just wildlife but fucking government we love them around here don't we yeah fuck it's been it's been lots of fun yeah always talk supposed to be talking about fucking hunting and just keep having to talk about them but yeah you know it's it's an issue that that we're gonna help fight and um support and, and kind of on that uh the hunting podcast from bc um have decided to get together and we're gonna collaborate on a bit of a recording this week and i'm assuming It'll get out quickly, like we want to get this out and get everyone's thoughts on these concerns and, and what's going on. So, you know, shout out to Ty over at Wilderness Locals. Um, he kind of arranged this and invited us to go on. So we're we're happy to, you know, get on there and lend our voice. I mean, what kind of Come Out Heavy stands for and what we know and what we don't know. So we're going to do our best to represent, you know, our stand as hunters here um from our curtain eyes background i guess it's kind of nice you're gonna have it'll be a bit interesting but you're gonna have you know quite a few you know variations of hunters represented throughout bc which is probably pretty good you get a lot of opinions and a lot of thoughts on this issue yeah i just hope uh we're not too rough around the edges for those guys (laughs) (laughs) yeah well that's what fucking editing's for (laughs) (laughs) yeah they just mute my mic the whole time (laughs) yeah kurt didn't have much to say from come out heavy kurt's like i fucking talked i ranted for like fucking 10 minutes those fuckers cut me out (laughs) limit to me to so many swear words yeah yeah how many swear words are we allowed to use eh? you love four 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 a sentence well fucking fuck (laughs) (laughs) anyways yeah that's uh kind of our two cents on it i mean it's we've been talking about it for three episodes now and yeah, we'll just keep bringing you guys up to speed as best we can. But there's a lot of guys out there that do this particular topics a lot better than me and Kurt. And, you know, make sure you're giving them a follow. Like Tanner from Frontiersman, uh, our buddy there, he uh, put out a great video uh, just talking on a lot of issues and what's going on there, bringing people up to speed. So, I mean, they're definitely a better voice when it comes down to this shit. I mean, we're we're supportive and, and we'll fight it, like you said, but Kurt and I don't always... Uh, we don't always articulate if you want to use a big word ourselves so well <laughs> <laughs> yeah man anyways uh 
couple, you know, new news coming up too. We uh, got a new episode out for you guys and a new guest that we haven't talked to before and kind of just reached out through uh, social media and things and, and really like these products. So today we got uh, Rob Gearing from, and I think he's the owner and probably the founder, I believe, yeah. of Precision, what is it? Spartan Precision Equipment. Again? Yeah, Spartan Precision. Before I say Precision Optics, yeah, yeah Spartan Precision Equipment, <laughs> and they're the um, and, and, maker of the Javelin bipod and the Davaros system. For anybody that yeah. doesn't so have heard of them, yeah, super technical uh, gear for shooting is where it kind of came from, and lightweight and yeah, really sturdy and and a cool product. So Kurt and I got to sit down with him and and bullshit about shooting and. You know what a, a good rest and a system means and and how he came up with all that and you know what it means to a mountain hunter and or anyone really like a rifle hunter that's looking for that like extra edge for steadiness i mean we've touched on it on this pod you know jumping out of a truck even if you had the option to throw up some kind of trigger stick system that was this that quick and that solid i mean it's not just for mountain hunting it was a it's a pretty wicked system we recommend checking it out for sure absolutely we're gonna do a couple posts here in the probably ig and facebook just of the stuff that we got our hands on finally and yeah it's it's to the highest standard of any quality that's out there and the lightweight that's what kind of blows my mind like it's i've had lots of bipods over the years and they were clinky shitty ones with springs on them and loud and this thing is pretty streamlined. It's super lightweight, super steady, and yeah, like uh, like Rob when he he had a pretty successful career before he started doing this, and he kind of found like a niche in the in the hunting world that you know hasn't been scratched yet, which is odd because you think of inventing something that someone hasn't invented, right? But he, I think he hit it out of the park with the gear that he's developing right now. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, and you know we're pretty excited. We started a little partnership with uh, Spartan Precision, so it's uh, it's gonna be fun. We're gonna try out some of their bipods this year and uh, a couple of their pan heads, and give our kind of reviews on. I mean, we're already giving a pretty rave review just by handling them, but we'll kind of keep you guys up to speed on you know when we get out shooting and practicing with them and just trying them in different applications. I can't wait, really. Like <clears throat> I think we mentioned on the last episode, just how much practicing we had done before our sheep hunts and kind of getting used to a bipod and my bipod was just a cheap shitty one and like you said and just having something with this articulation and the the pan and all that just at your fingertips and what you know the packability was really cool like just by having it like mine's kind of bulky the one I throw in my bag so you always have that pouch that like sticks out and yeah these just lay flat and I think it's gonna be really slick yeah and then it uh pops on and off with a magnet so yeah yeah like with mine that i had on last year like that thing i had to pound a pin through my uh sling stud so when that thing was on there she was fucking on there it wasn't coming off and that was a pain oh yeah yours had to stay yeah i couldn't take it off so like it was decently lightweighted and steady but the fact that that thing was on my gun i couldn't take it off if you know, if something failed or if whatever, I, if I needed a sling, that thing was a pain in the ass to pack my gun around on. So this thing, man, it's lightweight. It pops on and off with one hand, no issue, no fucking around. And then the same with the Davros head that spins on your tripod that we got our hands on too. It's the exact same system. 
you know, if you're going to the mountains, you usually pack in a, if you got a spotter or you run in your binos on a tripod, like you throw that head on there, boom, you got a fucking tripod shooting platform for your rifle. Clicks in magnetic. Yeah. It's, it's fucking, we're going to put it through well, spaces multi, this year for sure. Yeah. Multiple platforms, like just the different adapters you could buy and how many different setups you can give yourself with. And if you're one of those guys that like, which a lot of, you know, I wouldn't say like, I guess intense mountain hunters. Like if you're like the kind that's all you do, you're looking for the lightest, simplest options. Well, they've created it to the point where if you did buy the the little ball head with the custom stud that goes onto your gun, they have the other adapters that goes right to your tripod. And they have the ones that goes right to your binoculars. And they have, it goes, you know, right through all the range. So if you're a guy that's looking to have one of those items that crosses off that whole, like does more than one thing in your pack, well, you just eliminated a panhead and got like a solid shooting system and a solid glassing system all from that same stud, which is pretty wild. Yeah. And just the quick release, man, that's, that is something like, I'm going to go back to our sheep hunt this year where we, you, you glass your ram up, right? It was the same spot where I glassed mine the year before. And we were pretty much racing to get to that point because we knew like, (laughs) We just had a feeling like we're going to see them sheep, right? So we literally whip your backpacks off trying to get the tripods out. And I didn't even have my spotter out. Devin's like, found them. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> like, it was a <laughs> fucking race. But if I had that, didn't have to, you know, clip everything together and tighten shit up and just yeah. slam it down, boom, you're on it right away. Like, oh, getting after it, eh? Yee, yee. <laughs> I haven't, yeah, been, I know I mean. you know what? I haven't had athlete beer. Well, not, no, that's a lie because I got drunk two, <laughs> both nights this weekend. But hair of the dog, there I guess. Go. Yeah. I got in yeah, fucking athlete. I got into the fucking vino on Saturday. Holy fuck! Oh, it's probably because you're hanging out with Johnny. Oh yeah. no, it wasn't. It was at my niece's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> One thing led to another, and I drank two and a half bottles of wine, and I was fucking crippled yesterday. Like crippled, <laughs> worst headache. And then I played hockey too that night, and it was the last game for beer league. So then I got buckled again, and uh, yeah, I haven't had a two dayer in a long time. Getting soft. Well, you're old too. Yeah. Well, fuck. Hangovers are a bitch. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. I was drinking heavy beers last night too, not lights. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I've been feeling the age too. I fucking. I thought I was going to be fucked for uh, spring season here. I wrenched my knee wide open. Fucking just basically dislocated it again from an old hockey injury. And I've been limping around wearing a brace for... It just kind of got to the point now where I can go up and down stairs without doing the old, like, one step at a time. So I thought I was going to be fucked. Like, but I think I am. And, I, you know, I thought about that. And I don't know if any guys have had this, like knee injuries, hip injuries, ankles, old sports injuries, and then go mountain hunting. Could you imagine if I did that when we went fucking sheep hunting? You'd be fucked. Like, twist your knee to a point where you're like, I can't even walk around my house, let alone in the fucking mountains. Yeah. So, yeah, that's always a fear, yeah. man. Like, rolling an ankle or blowing your knee out or something like that, right? You're, you're fucking kind of hooped. Well, I'm thinking that... I probably should do the, maybe go to a doctor and see if it can be fixed. But I have to plan it so they do the surgery right after like November. Yeah, eh? do no fucking do it right before Christmas. No <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just fucking off season. Yeah, but 
yeah, so that's been a bitch. So I was a bit scared that my fucking spring season would be all fucked up, but I think it'll be okay. Fuck, I think you'll be fine. I packed my elk out with a fucking hernia, and I think you'll be fine. Long ways from your heart. Yeah. Be a fucking pussy. Yeah. <laughs> well, other than that, I think uh, that's kind of our, our catch-up for the week. And, yeah, we're super excited to, you know, throw it over to our guest and, you know, new new partner and in uh, trying out some of their gear and... This is our episode with Rob Gearing from Spartan Precision Equipment. Hey guys, we're sitting here with Rob Gearing from, uh, sorry, I always fuck up your name when I say it. I want to say Javelin, but it's Spartan Precision Equipment, yeah. but the creators of the Javelin Pipod. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on, lads. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a real pleasure to sit down with you, uh, your products and kind of your background in the industry and all that. It seems really exciting and, and it seems like you probably are a guy with a lot of tales and a lot of things to bring to the table, you know? Well, yeah, it's a few stories. Like when you get to 58, if you didn't have a few, it'd be pretty sad, wouldn't it? I um, <laughs> Yeah. They, well, yeah, Spartan's been probably my baby for the last eight years. Uh, I, I was originally from the aviation background and, well, my big passion uh, and stop me, boys, if I'm just crapping on about a load of crap. No, this is uh, good. My big is passion's good. always been climbing. Uh, but when you get to my age, climbing's really not a viable option anymore if you want to stay alive. And I like beers and shagging too much. So uh, hunting and fly fishing <laughs> are, um, are great other outdoor events. And to be honest, whether you've got ice axes, a fly rod, or a rifle, it's just an excuse to be outdoors. So, yep. yeah, coming from an aviation background... 50 years old, jumped into javelin. And uh, so, so it's been a very different what, uh, journey. What, what do you, what was aviation? Like, were you flying or? No, I wasn't flying. I, I mean, I did a bit of flying, but you wouldn't want to, and we had a microlite, but you wouldn't have wanted to go flying with me. I, honestly, that was, <laughs> I am the world's worst pilot. Um, <laughs> actually, I've got a friend of mine uh, that, I took up once in the microlite and uh, we had this, we borrowed this little strip of land and we got these power lines and I sort of got it slightly wrong and I thought, ooh, do I go underneath them or do I go over the top kind of thing? Anyway, I luckily got away with that, but yeah, I've given up flying. I've definitely not got the right <laughs> mindset for that. But Can you, oh, go ahead. But background, yeah, aviation. So I did that for many years. Uh, it, overhauling aircraft engines actually and then we set up our own business when I would have been about 30 years old and basically we were buying and selling aircraft engines and selling a lot of parts back to the industry um, you could say sort of like glorified scrap dealers in the aviation world but it, it, uh, it paid us a good living and we had a good time doing it it's just it was never my passion yeah so what did it uh, give us a little breakdown of <clears throat> kind of your background and and before Spartan kind of happened, what what was your background? Did you do a lot of hunting growing up? Like, where did the maybe the passion for rifles or shooting, like all that? Can you give us a little history? Uh, there? It's a really good question. I grew up in a family that didn't have non-hunters, as many people in the UK are non-hunters. We've got 70, billion, 70 million people, and I think there's about 155 firearms license holders, so it's very small. Um, wow. So I sort of was, I was a very much an outdoorsy person as a kid. I was never what you'd call a team player. I hated football and cricket and all that kind of crap. 
I could never see the sense of it. And I was never any good at it, so I used to do just long distance running. That was the only thing we did at our school. And I sort of was okay at that, but I wasn't brilliant at that either. Uh, but so my background was really <clears throat> very much a normal family, got it found hunting, probably when I was in my teens, used to go pigeon shooting with an air gun because that's all pretty much all you could do. And then I was really lucky and actually managed to meet some good people in that kind of, it's, it's a professional, profession in the UK. So uh, professional hunters and they sort of took me under their wing. Um, so yeah, hunting became a big passion. Nice. Go ahead, Dad. So then, yeah, well, from, <clears throat> from that, like, it kind of seems like you dove into the world of uh, the bipods. Kind of lead us up to that. Like, what, what made you start building accessories for rifles? And, and where did that journey kind of start and go? Like, was it a hunt? Was it a, a particular challenge? Or were there, were there a lot of things along the way that, that led you to start developing these products? I took... I, I basically used to take a few people out hunting on a sort of semi-professional basis um, in the UK. And I got a guy um, into a roebuck and I didn't have a bipod on the rifle uh, because I didn't like to have a bipod stuck on the rifle. And where I was from, you didn't have to use a bipod very often. So um, I got this guy into this roebuck, didn't have a bipod. He wasn't safe with a shot. I'm the last person to push somebody to take a shot. Uh, when they're not comfortable and um, basically I let him down he didn't have a bipod he didn't feel comfortable so we didn't take the roebuck um, in my other life in aviation we built a concord nose we turned it into a piece of art and we put um, put some Olympus engine bear do you know what boys I'm not I'm not feeling very good does this sound crazy but I'm 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 not sure if I'm sort of up for Am I, am I sounding all right? Yeah, you sound yeah, great. Sound great. Oh, all right, okay. If I sound like bollocks, you know, let me just get, no, let you... me just get a glass of water. Yeah. All right. Yeah, no worries. Sorry, boys. Can you hear me? No worries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you're good. <clears throat> All good. Mm. Yeah. Sorry. Far away. Where were we again? Oh, Concord uh, nose. You're turned. We bought, yeah, that's right. I'm going to make this short and boring because it is boring. But we bought the nose of Concord serial number six, which was a test nose for Concord aircraft, and we put it. We turned it into a piece of art. We put it on an Olympus engine bearing, which is the engine bearing that powers the Olympus, well, it's part of the Olympus engine which powers Concorde. And the guy that did it used two clamshells uh, to go around the bearing and he used rare earth magnets. And basically these things just blew me away how strong they were. And I said to this guy, I said, can you make me a bipod that goes on my rifle with a magnet? So I just put it on when I need it and take it off when I don't. And that was the end of my genius, because basically he built me something. It was a Heath Robinson thing, little metal legs, and I used that for a wee while. Um, and then I thought, hmm, there's, there's got to be, I can't be the only person that's pissed off with having a piece of metal hanging from the rifle. I've got to, I'm sure there's other people that would like this idea. And from my climbing background, I was always 
crazy about shaving weight and not taking anything unnecessary. They used to call me the crisp packet man because I'd just turn up with a crisp packet kit and that was it. It was a joke, but anyway, that's pretty much where we were. So, um, basically, where were we going with that one, Curtis? Where was I talking about weight? You're, the weight, Kind yeah. of how it developed, yeah, the yeah. weight of it and, and yeah. everything, like the development and where that came that's from. That's it, that's what happens when you're an old man. Sorry, boys. Yeah, so basically, um, I thought if I can make one of these bipods, but with carbon legs, right, really lightweight, I think there'll be a market for it. And so I basically divorced my business partner, uh, which was a pretty, pretty horrible, torrid event, but we won't bore you with that kind of thing. But my divorce from my, from my wife was just a simple exercise in how to divorce your business partner. And that was, that was hideous. <laughs> but anyway, I divorced my business partner. I jumped into a tiny little boat with my idea at the tender age of 50, thinking, oh, God, this is really a William the Conqueror moment. I've either completely overegged this or I really have to believe. I could see no failure. That was the thing. Now, looking back, I could see so many ways it could have gone wrong. But, you know, I was blissful naivety, I guess. Anyway, I paddled my little boat away from aviation, made, um, got the design of a carbon-legged, really stupid, simple little bipod and launched it at the British show, the British shooting show, probably about seven years ago. Um, and everybody just, yeah, it was difficult. It was a difficult market. I had a little bit of green plastic grass on a seven foot long table with some rocks from Norway, just trying to demonstrate the advantages of this simple bipod. And it didn't really, I, I think we might have sold 30 bipods in the weekend, which I was pretty happy with, but it didn't really kick off until Blaser uh, from Germany sort of said, we like your bipod and we want your bipod. And I said, well, I'm flattered you like it, but you know, you can't have it because there's other markets out there, but I can, I can build you a bipod. So I made a bipod for Blaser. And to be fair, Blaser have been very, very good to us as a, as a company to work with. They're German, they want it their way, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and they wanted a different fitting. And it's the only it's the only product to this day that has a different fit or not fitting, and I completely get that as well. But really, after Blaser came on board, that gave us a bit more kudos, and people started to respect us a little bit more, um, and gradually it's taken off from there. And I've been busily inventing ever since. Well, when I first seen the Javelin bipod, uh, we were at the BC Wild Sheep Show I am not even sure how many years ago, but probably, probably five. Yeah, maybe. yeah, probably five. Yeah, yeah. I would think. Yeah. When, when did you think they first came oh, over into you, North America? You, I'd, be, Rob? I'd be surprised if it was five. It's to me, you know, starting this at 50 and I'm 58, just in my 58 year now. I, I think it's crazy how quick it's gone. But I really think you'd probably be talking the last four years, not five. I'd be surprised. I'd be delighted if it did get out there five years ago. but. You know, we're such a tiny team, even to this day. Well, uh, a friend of ours in town, he's got a like a firearm store, and he's the one that had the javelin. He sells them, and we went to the sheep show, and it's helping him set up his booth. And there was, you know, a bunch of other uh, bipods there. And then I picked up this one as like we were putting him in the cabinet. So I'm like, I thought it was empty. It was yeah. like in, it was in a box, right? Yeah. And we had them on display, and people were like grabbing all the heavier ones like well why would they even call this a sheep hunting bipod 
no one's going to pack that in the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. And they just threw that to the side and they were playing with that javelin all weekend. And it was, and with the magnet was amazing. Like I was like, that is, they, it, we're Devin and I, like we kind of, I would say we're a little bit gear nerds a little bit, but something so innovative like that. And we haven't seen anything in the market like that. It was the old school bipods with the springs on them or some heavy ones that did went on the, uh, you know, like the rail on the front of the, the, the forehead. rail or something. Yeah. yeah. And they were always in the way. I agree. Like even mine, like I have a, a fairly, <clears throat> I don't know, basic bipod setup. It's clanky. It's loud when you put it on and off. It's not, I can't pivot with it. Like that's the big things when I started, you know, digging into the javelin systems and those kind of things. It was just, you, it seems Rob that you took an idea and a need and what you wanted and then turned it into a product. Correct me if no, I'm no, wrong. No, no, that's, that's absolutely how I function. I thought, I, I'm, if you can make something simple, right, that's the challenge. And I think anybody can make stuff complex. And I thought, this is such a stupidly simple idea, right? And the fact is, because you've got that patented magnet, magnetic system, you can actually orbit the rifle around the bipod. That's pretty huge as mountain hunters, you'd understand that. Uh, but a lot of bench shooters don't necessarily need anything like that. The other thing about providing the cant is all, it, you know, it, for me, it was an actual tool that I could use and I would bother to take to the mountains. Without that, I'd have shot off a backpack. That's the honest yeah. answer. Yeah. And that's, I've shot off backpacks and I don't, I don't like it myself. Like last year we went sheep hunting and I packed up I had a no-name bipod, but it was pinned into my sling stud, so I couldn't take it off. Yeah, it was. I had to take tools up there if I ever wanted to take that stupid thing off. So you're packing this thing around with I don't know how heavy it was, but you know it. It was always in the way. It was a pain in the ass, and it was a bunch of extra weight that I didn't want to take. But I hate shooting off a backpack. I want to shoot off a bipod every time that I can, yeah. and having a bipod in the mountains made a big difference for both of our shots. Eh, Dev? Yeah, it was everything. I mean, I didn't, we didn't grow up shooting, um, off of bipods. And I, I, you know, I, it's only been the last few years that I really dove into that. I, same thing as you, I'd nothing. I didn't like anything. Um, I'd shoot off a bag. I I've shot off my tripod, which we can touch on in a bit because Rob has some very, innovative and adaptable setups there that we're going to talk about but that was one but i you know what i did rob is i just took i went on i don't know amazon or somewhere and got one of those shooting yokes yeah. and converted it to my stud and i'd have to twist it on and it was clunky and it kind of worked i did manage to take a mountain caribou with that setup once and yeah going to but now that i've practiced with bipods having a a better system i can see it being the difference between being comfortable on a side hill shooting at 400 yards at a sheep and not well the thing is you're not going to be comfortable on the side of a mountain you boys know that so you want everything on your side don't you and but with the with the javelin bipod i call it an ethical killing tool it certainly ups your game and anybody that's at that environment is going to have everything they possibly can to be on side so my sort of whole ethos of this was let's give people tools that they can use in a mountain environment and bipods are great for what they've been designed for and you know the harris has been around a long time and they've done a brilliant job at that and in its time with the materials available 
that was an epic, epic tool. You know, um, it's just things have moved on. And I think using carbon and a magnetic attachment system just speaks volumes to me. And the fact that you can track and cant the bipod are two huge advantages when it comes to a mountain shot. Absolutely. So you basically, is that basically what separates, um, like, because for our listeners, the ones that are out there that are like, we're, we're rambling on about these gear and these different things. And honestly, there's probably a lot of them like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? Like, can you, maybe we already covered a lot of it, but can you break it down simply for a couple of our listeners? Like what separates the Javelin system compared to the others? Yeah, I, that's, that's a pretty easy, good question, actually. And sorry for not explaining that. So basically what you're talking about is a, a bipod that weighs less than your mobile phone. Um, it's carbon fiber leg construction with a 7,000 grade alloy aircraft alloy head with a magnet, a rare earth magnet in the top in a little pelvis. That magnet goes into a female socket on your rifle, which, you, which comes with the bipod. Um, and that becomes your rifle sling attachment. So you remove your rifle sling attachment, you screw this in its place, you can put your rifle sling in there, and it also takes your bipod and or tripod or shooting six, whatever else you use from the Spartan system. So you're talking about a fundamentally a very, very light tool that fits onto your rifle, providing you two leg stability, super quick, uh, with a carbon fiber leg and a tungsten carbide tip under a rubber sticky climbing boot. So you've got rubber boots or tungsten tips. Does that explain it well enough, do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think that's bang on. Yeah. Do you, uh, for the, I mean, guys can go out and check the website out, but do you know the rough weight of the basic, like, pro system oh, or something? I, like, is there, do you have, you You don't have to I, have it, but if I you I make it. stuff and invent it, people say, how much is it? Now, what's it worth? I don't have a bloody clue, mate. Like, no. Like, it's, it's light. It's that's light. How we know. It's light. Yeah. It's so light, yeah. you wouldn't worry about taking it. Yeah, that's my yeah. view. Yeah. You know, it's not something, do I stick, it's a, it's a, it's a, a chocolate bar weight, isn't it? You yeah, give up yeah. one chocolate bar to take the bipod and that that goat or sheep or ibex that you've been dreaming about for the last 15 bloody years, you've got a better chance of knocking it over if you've got stability. I always bang on about this. I say people spent spank loads of cash on rifles and optics, right? When pretty much it's all good in it these days, isn't it? Really, you could pick yeah. up a... $500 Ruger and it shoot the shit out and it, you know they're just great but they worry they spend all that money on the optics they spend all that money on the rifle and then they worry they don't worry about the soft tissue right that rifle you've probably got a rifle 10 times as good as you but for crying out loud get the soft tissue stable so if you're laying down prone use a bipod use a tripod but the amount of screw-ups people make me included right when you haven't got a stable platform. We owe it to the animals. I want my dead animals dead, frankly. And I, even with this system, I'm not gonna get it right every time, but it's certainly hugely game changer, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, let's, let's kind of start diving into uh, a few more technical specs and a few more of, of your products that you sell. And I've had a question for you straight off the bat, and this can, this can basically dive into, um, whatever you want it to for adapters and different things. But for me and a lot of guys who are running and I've watched your videos uh, on YouTube and on your website and 
we you mentioned it guys running big fluid heads so i got a big fluid head and my adapters the i picked the one that a lot of guys pick which is the arca swiss style yeah. and if i want to run my gun on there and i have say the the stud adapter on the forearm of my rifle what would your recommendations for me to put onto my fluid head so is that what you yeah, do so you can now we've made a little adapter that will go into an arca swiss so the Arca Swiss was developed for cameras. It's a camera product that's been adopted by the shooting industry. And I get it. It's very good. And it does a lot of things. I think it's far better for cameras than shooting. And our system, I would say, is it has our system has its limitations too, but it's much quicker because you're locking that magnetic attachment into that little adapter. So it's super fast. So getting back to your question, uh, Davin, I think it's your choice. You can go real simple and put a little uh, magnetic attachment on the top of your fluid head. And then you've got all the advantages of both systems. You've got the speed, but you've still got your fluid head. So for example, we make heads on our, we make a Davros and a Davros Pro like little camera heads, but they've got our spigot mm -hmm. on as opposed to the Arca system. Um, so we have an option as well that will go on anybody else's tripods. So you don't have to buy our expensive systems you can buy the attachments that provide make your tripod work with our system we're not trying to conquer the world and a lot of people make some excellent tripods out there and such like so if we can be part of that i'm happy would you th say it would be like maybe a redundant thing for because this is how i looked at it so if i got a davros and then mounted it to a arca adapter plate just because I liked your can't feature, like that quick, that Davros, not even the, like the Pro was awesome too, but like I said, you, you kind of mentioned it, lighter weight Davros compared to the Pro. If I just mounted that, because I'm already going to pack my fluid head anyways, because that's already my setup, like could you mount the Davros into that yeah, Arca Swiss and still you, get good stability? You wouldn't need to even mount the Davros. You wouldn't even need to buy that expensive you part. There's a smaller part that goes straight into the Arca Swiss that plate so you can use our system or the Arca Swiss. So you could shoot off your fluid head effectively. Because you get quite a bit of cant just off your uh, stud. No, like well, you'll get quite a bit you, of cant you'll, leveling. You'll get, them, you'll get a lot of cant off our Davros Pro. You get about 15 degrees off the Davros. It's not a lot on the little one because it's designed okay. for something else. But basically, primarily just to shoot off, not to glass off, although you can. Um, your, what I'm trying to explain to you is imagine a little plate with our male connection on yeah. it. That slides in to your female part on your Arca Swiss, on your fluid head. So then you could yeah. put your optics using our system so you can be really quick, but you've got the advantage of your big, big fluid head. Right. Now, you could do it with ours, but we don't make a big fluid head. Uh, you know, the Davros Pro is never going to compete with a big, a big fluid head which is going to be heavier, but it's going to provide much, uh, obviously, a better option for you. It's just how much weight you're prepared to take. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what it, with the Davros Pro, like it's it's small, compact. It doesn't weigh that much. The capabilities are huge with it. That's like that's an innovative product that you've created that I think is really can be a game changer in the mountains. So, so a lot of the cheaper systems we use, like the Sentinel, which is a tripod or a bipod, but it doesn't provide you with all the same functions as a full-blown tripod. 
you'd need to get the assent for that. But that Sentinel is still the system I would use back in the UK. I probably, if I was hunting on the east coast of, you know, or flat ground or in Africa, because that's all I need. It's just you pick your poison, really. And that's what we're yeah. trying to do at Spartan. We're trying to provide you with answers to fit your applications. You know, it started off as a fanatical lightweight hunter. It now We now service support a lot of the SF special forces around the world with other systems. And some of that's migrating back into the hunting world. So we've got like four or five different bipods now and three tripod bodies. And you just pick which one. Think of them like athletes, really. You know, you're not going to send a heavyweight lifter on a 25 mile marathon, are you? Well, he ain't going to do very well at it. So, so you've got to pick the tool that works best for your application. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. Can you, uh, I was looking up your Spartan Ascent system. Can you give us a little breakdown of that? That looks like a really, uh, well thought out. You got a lot of features you're, you're breaking down. Is it, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, obviously, but does it turn into like a trekking pole too? Or yeah, a yeah. So right, if you're wired like I am, a bald old 58-year-old that doesn't want to carry any more shit <laughs> than he absolutely has to, I don't want to carry a tripod, right? That for me is an expensive, heavy bit of real estate hanging off my back. So with my simple gearing analogy to life, I thought, how can I make this thing do more than one bloody job without being a gimmick? What else am I using? Oh, yeah, I take trekking poles. At 58, I have to take trekking poles. And I wish I'd used bloody trekking poles when I was 25 because my knees would be better now. Um, but anyway, I love. I don't go into the mountains without trekking poles or an axe, if I, depending on where I am. But anyway, the tripod we make, really stupid simple. All three bloody legs unscrew and become your trekking poles. And moreover, those trekking poles are really strong. There, if you did break a leg, which you could do between putting any trekking pole between two rocks, you just swap out this broken bit and put it back in and lock it off. So you've still got a functional mountain trekking pole. Most trekking poles, you snap them, they're gone, aren't they? You know, that's it. it an aluminium pole, when it's gone, it's gone. Or a carbon bipod, it's, uh, sorry, trekking pole's normally broken. It's finished, but at least with ours, you could still use them. The Central column is just like a normal tripod body. Um, so you can use the ascent on two legs, three legs, four legs, or five legs. So you can attach another couple of trekking poles via ankle joints and a, a cradle at the back, and you can have an absolute super solid shooting platform. Now, would I take that hunting? Not in a million bloody years. Would I use it for long range bench shooting? Absolutely, I would, and it weighs nothing and it's super stable. So it's just, again, the Ascent system is a more complex version of the Sentinel with three trekking poles. The central column, the lift column, that you know that you increase your height or drop it, actually is also a little toolbox. So within that column, there's a little <laughs> screwdriver kit. And then on the top of that, where you put the Davros, is the screwdriver receiver. So you've got a screwdriver kit. So if you're out hunting, bow hunting, rifle hunting, you've got a toolbox there with all of the right bits. Well, you make sure you put the right bits in there, of course. Don't blame me for that call as if the bits don't work. Um, <laughs> yeah, we can't put we can't put your UK yeah, screwdrivers yeah. in there. They yeah. gotta be they gotta be North no, American. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> that is a real challenge for us. So we have to every bipod now goes with I think like six different screws because there's so many different threads. Anyway, I digress. So the Ascent system 
is your trekking poles, it's your tripod, it's your bipod, a large two, we can talk about that later. It's your, so you can do your spotting from it and you can shoot from it. And when you've got your, when you've harvested your elk or your goat or your sheep and you've had a great hunt, you haven't got to carry that bloody tripod back down with you, have you? You're going to need those trekking poles then. Even you young lads will need trekking poles if you've got like oh, yeah. 60 pounds. We use trekking poles. Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so oh, what, I'm, what I'm trying, it's, it's basically Spartan's version of the javelin bipod, but in a tripod format. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah, it's just, so uh, we even make yeah, a that... tent for that tripod. So it depends how married to the system you want to become. But there is honestly... <laughs> Did you just say you make a tent made, for the, we bike, a, the tripod? We made a tent that uses the tripod as its frame. Now, the downside to that, callers, right, is you can't use your tripod as a tripod if it's your tent, and you can't use a trekking <laughs> pole. So even I will have to be the first to accept there is an end to that certain maggot marriage of all these wonderful options I could do with one tool because you've only got one tool. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we could turn that into a joke. But anyway, there we go. It, it's the modularity of the system is as far or as small as you want to take it. So you could, you could buy from us for like $20 or thereabouts the little spigot that will go into your tripod and you can use our system off your tripod. And I really get that and like that. And that sits very well with me. And we sell shitloads of them, right? Or you can go, no, I want those trekking poles. Now, if I weigh the fact I've got to buy some trekking poles and a tripod and do all this, I'm getting a lot for my money. And moreover, the system is really built to last. I mean, I've taken, I am somebody that believes that a warranty is no bloody good if you've spanked 15 grand on a, your lifetime hunt and you're in the middle of Kyrgyzstan and your, your optics break. Or your bipod breaks it's that's that's seriously bad news so i'd rather put the quality into those products and that's what we do at spartan so i do not want my gear letting somebody down and i'm not look we're not miracle workers things go wrong of course they do but we try really bloody hard to make sure we're making the best stuff we possibly can yeah when you can kind of see that i mean it's uh it looks like an awesome product. I come from a, a manufacturing world, like that's what I do. I, we machine and fabricate and weld, and I really like what you guys are you got set up there. And it's, uh, yeah, the proof's in the pudding for sure. You check it out. The, the you know, I wanted to ask you. <clears throat> I was watching some of your. You have really good uh, instructional videos, I guess we call them, and you you run through your system, and I really enjoyed them. I, I've watched them all, and you typically put the adapter on the sling stud but on one of your kimber ascents you have an adapter or a stud somewhere mid gun oh uh, can you explain yeah, how yeah is that just for the video no, or is that real no, not at all i'm glad you like our videos though because i say i think we make pretty good gear we just dog poo at telling people how it works and we've got to get better but <laughs> oh, christ you gotta get in front of the camera yeah, more yeah, yeah eh? well we're trying we're trying so um I'm, i intend to get a little bit better on that so what you're talking about there, um, David, is basically the gunsmith adapter, which is our cheapest and, by my view, our best adapter. For the simple reason, you drill a hole in your stock, you put that gunsmith adapter in with a decent two-pack epoxy, it's almost flush, so you don't even know it's there, and it's file and forget. And the thing is, 
with our uh, universal adapter, we call it, that goes on the sling swivel stud, you're always relying on that one point of contact. And that's a lot going on there because you've turned it to a rifle sling holder and a bipod holder, so it can orbit. So the gunsmith adapters, I really do encourage people to put those in. Now, getting back to your other question, why do we put one back towards the breech end or the magazine? Um, for the simple mm -hmm. reason that we also can use our tripod or a bipod in that position and you get a better angle. Because obviously if you're yeah. putting the bipod or better still the tripod with the Davros on the top, you can really do some steep angle shots. So at the beginning of last year, I, I was lucky enough to get out to Tajikistan even with all the bloody COVID. Um, and I had an epic time. And I had the opportunity to shoot an Ibex at probably, I think it was about 600 yards. I can't quite remember. But I wouldn't, I used our little ascent tripod on three legs in that back position. And with that back position, I, with the Davros as well, I was able to get a real steep angle and take that Ibex. I would not have been able to do it on our bipod or any other bipod from the position I was in had I hadn't had that rear, rear mount. Yeah, and I, I think you explained it really well in one of the videos, and that's what I really wanted to ask you about it, was you talked about like, okay, well, you're glassing or you're sitting and you're watching your animal or you're, you're doing whatever, and you can leave your gun yeah. like yeah. in position yeah. on your guys' Davros yeah. head. It's it's there, and all you have to do is basically maybe you have another tri your tripod set up or whatever with your partner, and you're glassing and verifying and whatever, and then you're just jumping back on your rifle, and it's... It looked rock solid. It was really clever. Now, it really feels like a lot of, like, I want I don't want to say military, but just marksman innovation. Well, there's like, a lot. It seems like. You're seeing a lot of it come back from the SF units. So our first, first products were very much sort of lightweight hunting driven. You know, we're not an arrogant company and we're small enough to react quickly when things need to be done. Um, but we're not arrogant and we listen to good people and there's some really good people out there and the place to go is the people that live in it and say so i'll go and speak to mountain hunters and we get a lot of the development has come back from mountain hunters feeding back knowledge to us and saying have you thought about this and we go oh yeah crazy that's good well we've applied that same formula with the sf world and so the Ascent tripod is very much sort of focused towards what we can do for those guys as well we even have a bipod that we sell to those lads that we don't, we, we can sell it. We just, people want to buy the bipod because they think it's sexy. And I said, but it's not really what you want, lads. If you want to hunt, you want the jack, and it's cheaper to buy the, please listen to me, kind of thing. But, um, so we make all these different tools, but yeah, you're seeing some of it come back from the SF world for sure. And some of that development in the Ascent, you know, they love the fact there's a yeah. toolbox in the middle and they, you can use them as trekking poles. I'm not saying, but you could use them as ski poles. So if you're an Arctic troop, we sold, I think, 30-odd units to a small little Arctic carder unit in Europe recently as well. So they were using them as ski sticks. Great, bring it on. I think that Davros pole where you can lock your gun in place on top of the tripod, like that's genius. I do a little bit of guiding in BC here, and you know most of our clients are, I would say, 60-plus. Yeah. older a couple yeah. in their 90s lots yeah. in their 80s and you're spotting them for sure so yeah. when you see a moose or a deer you're like okay hey, do you see it and they're like they're not seeing it yeah. right yeah. so you're looking down their rifle and yeah. you know we have uh 
the, the outfitter I work for, he makes these Africa sticks and it's just a yeah. bunch of poplar trees whittled down about six feet long with some tire tubes yeah. ran between them. Yeah. So but it's better than nothing, eh? They work. They work. Oh, they work. Yeah. They absolutely yeah. work. But yeah. you're looking down this guy's barrel trying to get his gun pointed to where this moose is standing at 200 yards and you can't see it. Where That's something where you clip that gun on, line it up, lock yeah. it in place and say, look, it's right there. Oh, because I, I don't know how many times you're watching it walk away and the, you know the old boys just can't quite pick it up in the scope yeah i've been there i've been there oh it, yeah and it's and bless them good on them that they're still out enjoying it and doing that kind of thing and enjoying that adventure and i think it's great that they're there but yes yeah, so a lot of us are well past our sell by date me included and i need all the help i can get and i think <laughs> i think what we've done with this sort of the spartan system is we've we really sort of up the game in the fact of providing you a stable shot in a very difficult, what's normally a very difficult environment. And there hasn't been a place yet where I haven't been able to provide a platform. It might take a bit of time. It might take a bit of jiggery pokery, but I will get that rifle stable on that animal. Um, and for me, that's really important. And what we've been up against is, I guess, normal shooting sticks just have like that yoke on the top. But the trouble with that is the rifle can slide forwards and backwards. And at the shows, I love saying to people, have you ever shot off a tripod before? Quad system, because we can provide both, um, or the pen system. And they go, yeah, yeah, I know what that feels. I said, no, please. And I put a rabbit head, a yoke on top, because we supply one as well, on top of the Davros. And they go, yeah, yeah. And then I pop that off and I say, now I lock it into the split, the magnet. And they go, oh. And you see their face. And they go, Oh, yeah, that feels so much better. I think, well, why wouldn't you? It's such a stupid, simple application to do. And it's quick. Yeah. And I can put that bipod on, and you guys, I'm sure, will try, quicker than you can drop the two legs on a conventional bipod. And what's more, I can do it quietly as well. And yeah. while I add, it doesn't have to be our carbon, but shooting off carbon, you'd never shoot off metal legs again because your recoil management is so much better controlled. You know, that oh, was really? a happy accident, guys. I can't take any credit for that. But we start like, oh, yeah, this works. Yeah. But common <laughs> sense, isn't it? It's like putting suspension on your car. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, yeah. I never thought of that, the vibration through the metal compared to the car. Well, neither did sense. we. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> it was just a lucky, a happy accident, that one. Let's, uh, yeah. moving on, like the adapters is something that I'm extremely interested in. Like you have the, the rifle adapter, but the heavy optics, the spotting scope adapter, the binocular adapter, the light optics, like the range finders. Um, and then the, your clamps that you guys have too, like window clamps and bench clamps. Like that's something too, that it's just a, you know, it's a cheap little piece that you throw on there and anything you've got slams in there. Like it, the modular systems is, that's the way of the future. And you see a lot of these hunting companies, they're going that way with backpacks and with all your gear now, like that is something that I think is just, you guys hit it out of the park. Yeah, no, that's good to hear. And thank you for that. I mean, we put a lot of time and effort into it. And I'm not saying we're the answer and we're certainly not the perfect wet dream. You know, at the end of the day, there's compromises with our stuff <laughs> and you have to take that. But what, if you're a weight driven person, I think we are well ahead of the drag curve at the moment in what we're doing. Um, and that for me is, it's a bit like, I sort of like in it to the 308, you know, 762. It'll do everything. It'll do everything okay. It won't necessarily do anything brilliantly well. 
And so there's always a price, but I think for, for serious mountain hunters and things, they'll completely get, well, they do completely get that. You, you look at the reviews of what we're getting for the system, I'm really delighted. So I think, I think we're on it. I think, I think I'm looking at the products now and thinking I'm really happy with where I am with this now. And, um, and that's really, I've got to thank everybody that feeds back and gives us information and says, have you considered this? And often, no, we haven't. Well, I, I think if the shows weren't canceled since COVID fucking hit in BC, well, in Canada is ridiculous too. Yeah. We'll get into that a little bit later. But like, I know like we played with it all weekend at the BC Sheep Show and everybody was, you know, they never seen it before. And they're like, fuck, this is something very slick, right? And I, you know, I, you're obviously in the States right now. You were probably going around to all the shows down there in the last couple of months, right? Well, I've been here for two nearly two months. I've done 7,000 miles. I'm getting pretty tired. Now. I'm, going, I'm flying home tomorrow for a week, and then I'm in Germany. Tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. We caught you <laughs> just in the right <laughs> nick of time. Yeah, you did. You did. Well done, boys. Um, but, yeah, I, I think... I think we've just got a system that will do everything pretty well, but not perfectly. Yeah, I'd say that. Yeah. Well, hopefully we get some of these uh, regulations opened up so that we can, you know, take some of these items to the shows, especially in BC, like mountain hunting is, is getting more and more popular where we live. And I think that's something where people can get their hands on it and have a look at it and see the quality that's there. I think they're going to fly off the shelves. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. We had we had six guys come in to see us at SHOT Show, all have been out to Alaska. And I think two or three of them were guides. And out of the six, five of them were using our system. So for those guys that are using it every day, you know, professionally like that, it's great kudos for us. So I'm pretty, pretty delighted to, you know, hear all these good people using the stuff. It, that, that gets me pretty excited. Yeah, if if the guides and outfitters are using them, then there's something there to be said because they aren't using junk. If it breaks yeah. down, they throw it away and they'll never yeah. buy it again. So yeah. that's good. That's yeah. definitely good. Now we get a lot of feedback and more and more professional hunters taking on the system, which is good. And and then like this year, for example, at SCI, we get guides um, and PHs bringing their clients to them and saying, this is what I've been using for the last couple of years. So it's a good sales outlet for us as well, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think we, we actually is offer there... a guide package now where they get it discounted and then they I think they can sell the products on or link it on, but you'd have to check the website for that. But they're certainly on to that, which makes a lot of sense nice. to me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's good advertising, definitely. Yeah. Now is there anything on the horizon with Spartan that uh you'd like to share with us? Or is there are you always are you the kind of guy that it kinda of seems like you're always looking for the next thing that's just gonna you know make it better and better, i or? think i'm always driven that way because i look at things and i constantly think how can i improve this and what can i do how, where can i save a bit of weight what am i prepared to sacrifice yeah that's that's a that's a good question i think as i say i'm pretty happy with where things are now i honestly look at the javelin now i tend to use the javelin pro hunt not the javelin pro hunt tack because it's it's a wee bit lighter but the pro hunt tack is well, it's more expensive, but it's, it gives it, does it a little bit more. I don't, in answer to your question, I don't know what else I could do with that bipod. I think I'm pretty happy with where it is. If I start adding any more bells and whistles, they're probably going to add weight and not actually do anything to the form and function. Um, 
we made the modular now so you can swap out the legs you can put whatever legs you like i really love the locking system on the pro hunt um, which actually when the legs are open they physically locked out on the on the javelin light they don't lock out you just rely on the sort of gravity to hold them in place um, from a bipod perspective i'm pretty much there that we are developing other bipods there might be two other bipods that come out next year but they'll be for very different purposes you know it'll be our entry into the heavyweight stuff or something like that or it might be a military bipod that comes into the civil market so bipods yeah stuff stuff will be happening the tripod i'm pretty happy with where we are with the ascent um and i, I can't add too many more bells and whistles to it because it's 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 doing everything yeah, you put a toolbox yeah, yeah. in toolbox <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so i i'm i'm sort of comfortable where we are of course we'll always look at ways we can improve things and fine-tune stuff and i the the classic sorry the universal adapter you know is one point i'd like to find a better way because i fully understand some people don't want to drill a hole in their stock i would encourage people to do it but i get it if you know people say well i don't really want to do that so they go with the universal adapter i'm sort of looking at ways where i can make that more that, that better because that that to me is a frustration mm-hmm. only because it's relying on that single screw and uh, i understand people don't want to put another screw in their stock yeah, it depends. I mean, I mean, we run just Tikas, just some, you know, good shooting but cheap rifles, and yeah. I've used that thing to rake trees before. And those, an extra horn those, it doesn't matter. Those, <laughs> those ticker rifles are excellent rifles. I mean, they're top yeah. top end. You know, I think what you get out the box for the money is absolutely exceptional. I love, I love finished rifles. Good safety catch. Yeah. You know, safety catch that's worth calling a safety catch and um it's a they're really good tools yeah not I've, only of those. i've probably put 900 rounds through my 300 wind mag yeah and that thing's still pounding shit out past 500 yeah. all day long yeah like yeah it's been through the ringer and back and it there's been a couple times where i'm like ah, i might have might have fucked it up there but dropping it and falling down all kinds of goofy shit that we do but yeah that thing's never left me hanging that's for sure well, we've actually, it's interesting. I, I mean, I love Ticker, I love Saka. Oh, there's a lot of, they're all making good rifles now, but I've grown up with those two, those two breeds. And I reckon if you pick most professional hunters in the UK, a high percentage of them, the estate rifle will be a Ticker because it just works. Yeah. 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 Well, <clears throat> since you, I mean, you probably don't know our, our platform that well, and, and by all means, like, you shouldn't. But uh, Kurt and I, you know, first and foremost, always like to talk hunting and talk hunting stories. And that's our big one is just that's what we enjoy the most. Um, just to give you like a little bit of feedback or uh, in, intro on us is just, you know, funny stories, just memorable stories, memorable hunts, those types of things. And we usually go out of our way to ask our guests to, you know, talk hunting with us and go down that path. So if you would indulge and, and wouldn't mind telling us a, a story or two or what what kind of what are memorable hunts or hunts you look forward to every oh. year like you said you got into mountain hunting like you know we love talking yeah. hunting it doesn't matter if it's north american or Tajikistan or whatever it's just uh, so yeah. uh, so the favorite hunt for me if i if i'm going to be really honest is roebuck in hampshire in the uk because it's april may good evenings you can go out in a pair of shorts pair of flip-flops you know 
and they are a great little animal to hunt, quite solo. Um, beautiful animal, great to eat, just love them. Now, I've been really lucky. Um, and like last year, I ended up in two epic places. I started, started the year in Tajikistan. Um, and uh, that, was, that was great fun. I went out with a guy called Gary Rabber, who was after Marco Polo, which is way beyond my pay grade. Um, and uh, he shot one <laughs> off our system actually at 1,200 yards, which was incredible. And then we, we did some Ibex um, hunting as well, and I really enjoyed that. But the, the trip I've just come back from, was, well, just before Christmas really, was Greenland. And that was epic. And I shot a unicorn. And I've never shot a unicorn before. So that was really, really <laughs> exciting. So uh, we, had a, we had a super cool guy, an Inuit guy, take us out up this fjord and uh, dropped us off. And we were after caribou. And uh, I was with a really good friend of mine, uh, Yuka Katola, who works for Sako, actually. Um, and uh, yeah, he's, uh, anyway, we got into this, uh, we got into this reindeer and uh, I shot it. It was all meat. It was, it was a meat harvest trip. It was not trophy hunting or anything like that. But it, and, um, and he came out and he said, you shot a bloody unicorn. And it had one little horn on it, said like this, sort of almost <laughs> in the middle as well. I said, Shit, that's the first time ever. But we had an epic good fun trip on that. And, uh, and we were also fly fishing, doing a lot of fly fishing. Um, and we actually caught two, what the hell they were doing in Greenland, God only knows, but the Greenlanders knew that they were about, they'd heard about them. We caught humpback salmon. It was a Pacific fish. So, oh, the humpies, yeah. Yeah, yeah, on five weight rods. And that was, that was epically good fun. And then we were, uh, we were catching Arctic char, cooking them on hot stones on the riverbank, eating some raw uh, 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 ptarmigan. Um, yeah, we had a, you do well to starve in that place this time of year. I have climbed in Greenland in the winter and you don't see anything, nothing living out there. It's a completely sort of desolate desert, snow desert. So to go to Greenland this time of year when there's everything all munching around and catching and shooting everything was pretty epic. Yeah. Yeah. We that ate well fun. that, we ate well that week. Have you ever hunted no. in Western Canada? No, I haven't actually. No, I've hunted in Eastern Canada when I was in aviation with an old 303 service rifle. And I went out with a load of alcoholics. Um, and uh, we, old, just, we just well, got, That sounds like Eastern yeah, Canada. Yeah, we just got pissed <laughs> every night. And uh, I went out uh, once and I got, and we, I think we'd had a few to drink actually. I mean, I'm going back years when you did things like that. I wouldn't dream of doing it now. And there were just squirrels chirping away everywhere. And I said, if I see another bloody squirrel, he's dead. <laughs> and they, sure enough, one boat out and I blew it away with a 303, this old service truck. And I took it back, I ate it. And they were really pissed off with me because they obviously thought I'd seen a deer or something. And none of us, the whole camp, the whole week, I don't think one person saw a bloody deer. But we had a good time. Yeah. So is that uh, 303 British? That was an old service 303, Lee Enfield. I don't know yeah. whether it was a bit. Yeah. One they obviously had, that's what we were given. I don't even think we... I mean, I'll, That's Kurt's first yeah, rifle, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that was my first rifle my dad gave me when I was 13 or something like well, that. A few I still million... got it, so hanging on. Yeah. Hanging on the wall right now. <laughs> we actually went, we went uh, stag hunting in Scotland with them back, I think uh, it was about the year 2000. We did it in kilts 
for a crack <laughs> and a 303 rifle. The, the trigger on those things, they go on forever, don't they? Do, 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 oh, yeah. Where is this thing going? And this was like a really goodly Enfield. It had a sniper scope on it, probably uh, Zeiss or something like that. I believe Zeiss was selling us scopes during the second or first or second world war somebody will correct us on that job got it wrong forgive me <laughs> but um anyway the scope crapped out so we had to take the just using the open sight so it was a bit like the archery challenge we had to get really close to those red deer to be comfortable with the shot but we had a good crack doing it yeah. you must not have had any mosquitoes while you were doing that no cause... they would kill you they absolutely it's not mosquitoes <laughs> in uh, scotland it's the midges and it's the female, uh, and she wants your blood. And they just, I think in New Zealand, they get something similar called the noceums, and they just yeah. rip the hell out of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're pretty bad where we live, that's yeah. for sure. They'll Nasty. pick you up and fly you away. Yeah, nasty little cretins. I took, um, I took a mate that never been to Scotland once on a climb. We were gonna go and climb the old man of Stoa, which is a sea stack. Um, and I just had this, I said, let's go climbing. So it was like, 10 o'clock at night and by like three o'clock in the morning we're off and and take we camped on the side of a uh, a stream a little burn they call it in scotland and he had some white socks and he'd left them outside and literally got out. he said, what? He, because he'd never been north of the border he'd never seen he said what the fuck what's going on and it was like clumps of midges on his smelly socks just oh just <laughs> horrible yeah he soon he soon found out what midges were that week mind you Bit of climbing and we got uh got well hammered well if you guys were climbing uh were you wearing kilts in there because i feel sorry for whoever was the second climber there. oh yeah no 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 we were we, we weren't pushed up there i did uh, yeah yeah the kilts the kilts work well but not when not when the midges are about yeah, yeah. <laughs> or wouldn't when rush climbing wouldn't no wouldn't rush to do it again and they're heavy there's a lot of material that goes in those kilts yeah yeah not not for mountain hunting no definitely not definitely not what what gear do you guys use for your mountain hunting are you it, it, loyal to a particular brand or do you just pick what you like uh we've been pretty set on kuyu yeah um yeah like when they first came out i bought some gear and and devon you kind of slowly built your kit too but that's it's good i haven't stuff. really had yeah i haven't had anything really to complain about yeah. like just like every, any of those companies, you know, Sitka's good, Kuyu's good, First Light. There's a million of the Browns out there now, and now it seems like every year there's more and more coming out. But. Yeah, I can't believe how many more, but, I mean, there's some people actually making some top-end stuff, and you couldn't say that a few years back. So, again, Definitely. a little bit like what we've done from the bipod side, I think, standpoint, people have moved in from the climbing aspect and made sort of technical gear, and, yeah, it's come on a long way. Yeah, and with you know, with Kurt and I, we we had guys in the industry, uh, friends and and close friends of Kurt's that had been running that gear, you know, right from the start, yeah. you know, before it uh, was as big as it is now, and they they had good things to say about it. And when you're looking to spend that kind of money, and and it's always that buy once, cry once type situations when you're buying the good gear, either when it goes from optics to to bipods or you know backpacks, yeah, and yeah we've settled on it and it hasn't done us wrong yet and it'd be hard to go away from yeah. it to be honest i'm so comfortable with the way it runs now that i i don't want to switch no well that's good <laughs> you find something that you like like that it's good to stick with it for sure what uh what do you run in the mountains i'm a bit of i i, I use a lot of tiger um they also go by the name of cold skills 
So they tend to make a lot of very good uh, outer and inner clothing. And I love their gear. It's expensive compared to what you guys are paying. It's even, it'll be up there. But the build quality on it is exceptionally good. I don't use it for everything. I also do, um, I use a lot of Red Kettle stuff. He makes a Ventile jacket. And I really think there's a place for a Ventile. um, And it's sadly over missed. The downside for Ventile is it's hideously expensive, but it's, it's, it's definitely got its place. So I sort of swing, I, I, I use a lot. I sort of, and there's certain, I've just, um, just picked up some stone glacier stuff and they're trout, they're pants you'd call it. They're really, they're really up there. I was, up, I was climbing up a mountain today. I didn't quite get to the top. Um, I won't bore you with the reason why, but um, the pants didn't let me down. I'll say that they were very, very good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Nice. Um, through all your years of mountaineering and, and a little bit of mountain hunting and whatnot, did you settle on a tent system? That That's one of the big the big debates right now you see now is the TP systems come in, you got the singles, you got the, you know, the hot stoves. Have you ever, with the experience you have, do you find the ones better than the other or is it always just up to... Different tools for different jobs again, isn't it? That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, for my own use, because I'm really, really lightweight, I'm never going to take a stove for the kind of things I would do in most, most applications. Um, I've got a single wall uh, tent. And I love it. And I can literally stand up through the little pocket and piss out the door, you know, without getting wet and such like. And the tent we made, actually, we put a little wee zip in the bottom. Because when you're an old man, your kidneys do overtime. So I've got a little zip in my waterproof floor that I can put my old man out, have a wee, and then zip it back up again. So, uh, yeah, the wee zip. But, um, no. Innovation. This is stuff you've got to get out to the public. Yeah, it's, but, that, but my tent has a place. Um, and for a day-to-day tent, I wouldn't use it. And I've got, um, is it uh, North Face or, yeah, it'll be one of those top, but it's a little little four-season tent. It's bomb-proof and it's, I've slept all over the place. I've loved that tent. We've taken it down to, we were down in Chile a few years back on a motorbike trip. We took it down there. I've had it up in the Arctic. I had it in Colorado on a public land hunt um, a couple of years ago with Ian Harrison from Recoil Mag. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a great little tool. Huh. Teepees, I've Have got a spent... Kifaru teepee. They've sent me one. Well, that's brilliant. But it's not something I would carry if I was going on my own. But if there was like eight of us, yeah, I'd be right up for mm-hmm. that. And we did use it in Scotland and it was great. We got it like a bloody sauna. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you... Uh... So you said you've been in the, the Colorado area. Have you done a North American style Western hunt? Like what, what was your favorite there? Uh, if you have I've done, done I, I haven't done, I'm almost schoolboy standard when it comes to American hunting. I did some public land hunting in Colorado with Ian. Uh, we didn't see any alcohol. We had, a, I had an epic, to, when you've got to my age and you do deer management in the UK, you get to a stage where you know you've shot a lot of things. And now I just, I love the experience. I love going out. So if I don't see an elk, I'm not going to, it's not going to ruin my day kind of thing. I had a wicked time, but it was an unsuccessful hunt in the fact that I didn't harvest an elk, which I'd bought a tag for. And, um, but it didn't, I I still had a brilliant time. The only other um, American hunting I've done, I was out in Buffalo, New York state, I think, isn't it? Um, Just before Christmas after Whitetail. And again, <laughs> like it was a piss up. 
you know, we ended up in a log cabin. One of the guys grew, grew, made his own wine and was an epic cook. So we didn't go out and do much hunting, frankly. But uh, we had excellent wine and excellent food. But the little hunting I did, I saw one white tail on the last day. It's female, and I only had a tack for a buck. But I did run into a lynx. I ran into a black bear and I saw some beaver. So from a European perspective, that was a pretty epic, epic few days. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, but you, you see lots of beaver out in Europe. You guys got nude beaches. Oh, everywhere. yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Always <laughs> like looking for those. <laughs> yeah. If we're still allowed to do that, that is. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So as long as you wear a mask. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you wear oh, a mask. Please. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's going on in your country at the moment? Just. Oh, oh yeah. Fuck. It's, yeah. it's embarrassing. Well, you've got. You've we, got we had a little rant earlier today about yeah. it, but yeah, it's, it's fucked up. Yeah. You've got a president that openly admits he admires dictatorship and you think, hang on a minute, that's so disrespectful to the public. I mean, it's like basically, these are my children and where does it end up? Where does it go from there? You know, if he loves it so much, move him out. Yeah. Oh, they're trying. They're trying yeah, to truck him out yeah, of there. They, yeah. yeah, they, they, bought, they <clears throat> you know, barricaded Ottawa and it's still, you know, he... He was ignorant towards that too. Just the way he handles his people is is dis disgraceful. Yeah. It's a shame. It, we're ashamed of it, you know. And that's the big thing that you're seeing is the general mass is ashamed to call him our leader. Well, it's a at some point it does go down to that that it is your leader and and we voted you in to to represent Canada and it gets to the point where you're not proud of that anymore. Well, we're not exactly doing any better in the UK, so I'm I'm not I'm not going to harp on and give you too much of a hard time on it, but it's just it's it's quite worries me where these people are going and where they're taking things. And COVID seems to have been a great excuse to up the controls on people that you would never have accepted five years ago, not in a million years. Yeah. And now you think I can't believe it's quite alarming. I mean, people need to read bloody history books, don't they, and see where how this ends up. That's exactly where it's going right now. And, you know, they're using fear and people, you know, stay home, hide in your house, don't leave the house unless you absolutely have to. You know, we did that. And at this point now, like I had COVID a month ago and, you know, we, we got the vaccines. You know, I wasn't lining up first to get it, but we got it. And I do think it did help me recover faster. I was back to normal in four days, but I don't know, man, like, you get the vaccines, you get COVID, and you still can't fucking do anything. Like you got to have a passport to to go to for coffee with your wife, right? It's just oh, it's, it's I, fucking crazy now. It, look, if it was Ebola, I'd be queuing up at the bloody beginning of the queue and say, "Stick the needle in here, please." But when you get a well, I had I got double vax because I couldn't do my job, I couldn't travel, I wasn't yeah, happy about go doing anywhere. it. I think. I'm 58, but I'm a pretty fit 58. I'll take my chances with the COVID, thanks very much. As I say, if it was Ebola, I'd have a completely different case. But I always thought this was a flu, right? And yes, the flu kills a lot of people. And so I'm sure COVID has too. But it's just gone. It's amazing how people listen to what they and believe what they hear. And then they're still walking around with masks that probably don't work. Um, yeah, we could talk about that for a long time. And it's it's pretty sad how people have embraced this and accepted what's going on. And I think we need to say, look, we're through it now. Yes, there's a new one coming out. And yes, 
it's probably still killing a few people. But how many people have killed themselves in the same period of time? How many people have lost their businesses? Please, media, report that. You know, what about the guys and girls that have lost their restaurants or their small corner shops? I mean, surely the uh, companies like Amazon and such like have been wonderfully well having us all stuck behind a bloody computer for 24 hours a day. Yeah. (laughs) You got nothing to do but spend money online and sitting at home all the time. No, it's it's crazy. (laughs) And I worry about the kids as well that haven't been able to engage with other kids. I think Denmark did a really good job at it, actually. Denmark reported deaths, I believe, COVID deaths accurately. They got through it quite quickly and they said, enough's enough, we've got to get on with our lives. And I think we should have done that. But anyway... Easy for yeah, me to well, say that it's, now. It's especially in Canada, like California has more people in it than all of Canada. Yeah. It, it's just crazy, right? Thinking yeah. where, where we're at right now, where most of the world is so far past where we're at right now, but we're a first world country kind of thing, right? It's just, well, it's, I don't it's, know. Both, yeah, there's still why? people brainwashed too. Yeah. It's, and how it's many insane. people have died of heart disease, cancer? You know, yeah. all the other things because they haven't got the treatment. I know I've got a mate that has had cancer through this thing and he's definitely not getting the treatment he would have got had the COVID thing yeah. not kicked off. You know, we yeah. haven't actually lost that many more people in the UK than we would in a normal year. Um, and everybody died of COVID. So you don't believe the figures. I think they've actually come out the closet now and said, oh, no, it wasn't as many as we said it was. Uh, meanwhile, yeah. our Prime Minister and all his MPs are having great fun parties while people aren't even allowed to go and see their dying relatives in the old people's home. I mean, how does yeah, that, yeah. that stinks, doesn't it? So, yeah, you know, you couldn't go tough. to a funeral, you couldn't go and see somebody that was dying or whatever, you couldn't be with them at their point of death, come on. And meanwhile, they're having parties. I mean, that, yeah. you know, that stinks. So don't get me off on that one. <laughs> you got, oh, a proper, you got a proper old man on your show today, I tell you. Yeah, oh, we we go oh, down that rabbit that. hole all the time, yeah. and every fucking yeah. the provincial yeah. government no, isn't any better. So yeah. yeah, it's just give people freedoms, treat them like. A... Oh, have I lost you? Or are you oh, still there, guys? Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, um, and um, and just treat us with a bit of dignity. We vote these people in. We vote these people in because it's a democracy. That means they have a duty to do what we request. And if there's a big decision, do we stay locked down? Let's make it a referendum. Let's have a vote on it. Yeah. Right. You know, please. Let's. Can we get back to some parity here? But yeah, I, the whole world has gone bloody barking mad, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So the more time we spend spend out in the mountains, lads, or in the woods doing the kind of things we do, which are really, you know, in our DNA and have been there since the year dot, the better. Yeah, it's it's good for your mental health once you get out, off the, out of the TV room and off the computer and out in the woods for sure. Absolutely. And the amount of non or anti-hunty people that I've managed to sort of get into it or experience. And when we've got to do a better job at educating and sort of telling people the benefits of these things, you know, and um, yeah, I, I, most people get it. I saw, I'm lucky that I can eat game and a lot of wild meat. I don't have to eat intensively farmed chicken or corn fed cows, you know, it's so, and that for me is an important thing as well. 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah. It's, uh, and if somebody wants to go see a chicken farm and have a look at how they're treated and then come out hunting and say, well, what's more cruel? Then we can have a proper debate, can't we? <laughs> <laughs> well, Rob, it's been an excellent chat with you. And, and, you know, we know you're a busy guy and, and we really appreciate you sitting down with us. I mean, it's been awesome. And uh, I don't know what else to say with you. If you, uh, what's the best way to, you know, follow you guys and your progression and sales and all those kind of things? Yes, yeah, so the, the website's pretty good. Spark Precision Equipment or uh, javelinbipod.com will take you there. Uh, we have an Instagram site called Spartan Equipment, uh, Spartan Precision Equipment as well. I have my mad one, uh, Mr. G or Spartan Mr. G, I think it is, where I rant and rave all the time. I'm not allowed to post anything on Spartan anymore. <laughs> um, but, uh, 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 just got too grown up and very professional. But uh, no, and that's how you find out about us. But it's we we try and have fun on the journey. For us, it's 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 a small little team of passionate misfits. I call them run by the Spartan Queen, who is a, a fantastic clay shop, represented the country and everything, and she treats the business like that. She, you know, she's, she's out there and she's surrounded herself with some excellent people, which frees me up to go out and just do the front end stuff and go and do fun things. And yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I, maybe if I was 35, I'd have a very different flavor, but I want to be out there playing while my knees and hips still work. Yep, absolutely, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Rob. We, yeah, like Devin said, we appreciate you. You've given us some of your time and, you know, uh, yeah. now, now you got your camera on, right, eh? Yeah, now, now I'm still upside down, but you guys have come up the right way now, so I don't know what's going on. I think, I think somebody's put a cannabis bean in my glass of red wine or something. But uh, no, no, yeah, no, no you've got, at least you guys are the right way up, yeah. Well, if you ever make your way to Western Canada... Uh, hit us up and we'll see if we can meet up one day because that'd be fantastic and i think you'd really enjoy hunting around here oh i would absolutely love it that i'm sure i've got some friends up there sort of well vancouver area and vancouver island so i do get up there sort of the west side now and again yeah Mm -hmm. yeah awesome that'd be good Catch me howling at the moon